0: This is Mick Rhodes for the Claremont Courier podcast, First Take. I'm going to be reading my commentary. You can't help but worry about the COVID generation. There are just so many things I took for granted when I was young, that my family would be there. School was a refuge and a source of social life outside the home. And the rituals and rites of youth in Southern California would be there for me, just as they were for my forebears. When I think of what my life would look like today with just one of those formative experiences removed, it's unimaginable. What if they all turned to dust? That's what so many of our kids have experienced these past two terrible years as COVID hijacked the childhoods of toddlers to college students. Most every family has lost someone. We all know some, or many, among the 969,000 114 COVID deaths recorded in the United States since March 2020. Most kids miss nearly two years of in-person instruction, and for some of them, the much-anticipated rituals— proms, graduations, award banquets, academic and extracurricular career-capping events— they're gone forever. Friend groups kids once leaned into to bear the sometimes emotionally brutal middle school years— disintegrated worst of all kids in the cusp of medicating themselves in order to bear the pressure gave in and dove into the deep end most tragically some are gone now official victims of mostly fentanyl overdoses but when you dig deeper though those overdose deaths are casualties of the pandemic as well all this doom isn't just hyperbole from this alarmed dad of four with two kids still in Claremont schools. Recent centers for disease control and prevention statistics paint a bracingly grim picture. Emergency department visits for suspected suicide attempts among adolescents increased by 31% in 2020 over the previous year's totals. Even more alarming is in February and March 2020, Emergency department visits for suspected suicide attempts were 51% higher among girls aged 12 to 17 than during the same period in 2019. In October, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, and Children's Hospital Association declared a national emergency in child and adolescent mental health, noting, the pandemic has struck at the safety and stability of families, unquote. And they advocated for a host of legislative, regulatory, and societal changes to address the morass. So what is happening here? I asked Claremont Unified School District Mental Health Coordinator Lisa banks toma
1: We just now are seeing the beginning of what's to come with student mental health.
0: And, banks toma told me, Since CUSD students returned from their winter break on January 3rd, the need has skyrocketed.
1: That goes all the way through the entire district, you know, K, even pre-K
0: to 12th grade. And I've seen all this for myself. The very fabric of childhood broke down over these past two years. Many kids were in emotional freefall, with no clear indication as to when they'd return to a semblance of normal. Yes, students are back in class now. But those 18 months or so of trauma are just now manifesting, and it's crashing the system. It almost seemed to me like students had to get comfortable again being on campus
1: and get comfortable with all of their adults again before we could get to that genuine place of, I need help.
0: I know firsthand that mental health professionals are inundated. Young people, my kids among them, are waiting weeks or months to see a therapist, psychologist, or psychiatrist. My ex and I have good health insurance through Kaiser. It's served us well on the medical side as our kids have made their way through typical stuff like broken bones or ear infections. But we are in a constant state of all-hands-on-deck scramble to try to match our fully insured kids with mental health professionals. It's a terrible confluence of an unforeseen, tragically unplanned-for global event swamping our resources. And it's had real-life consequences. For any kid in crisis it's just not been enough. Claremont Unified School District has done its level best. It is now offering new after-school groups at Claremont High, one on depression and grief, another on stress and anxiety, and a third seeking safety which deals with substance abuse. So far, despite its outreach to students, they haven't yet quite caught on in large numbers. Groups are also taking place during the school day on depression, anxiety, and LGBTQI support. And there's hope a new program, in conjunction with Baldyview View ROP, bringing mental health first aid to CUSD students, will help stem the tide. But resources are stretched, and CHS, with its well-intended and potentially valuable new programs, is but one of ten CUSD campuses. Anxiety is the number one concern across the district followed by depression, Banks-Thomas said.
1: And then we go on from there. You know, there's been a lot of grief, you know, that's happened as a result of this pandemic. Everyone's dealing with loss in their families, Mm -hmm. which has been very difficult. What else? You know, trauma. (laughs) There's just so many different things.
0: The district has a gang of mental health service interns, some post-associate-level and some post-master's-level interns, 15 trainees from university programs, and each of its 10 schools has an assigned school psychologist. And they're all very, very busy, banks Toma said. But the crush of mental health referrals is such that CUSD has not yet had time to compile the numbers to quantify the increase.
1: I will tell you that we've never had the numbers we've had, so I'm just
0: seeing the increase everywhere. I asked banks Toma, a mother of two grown adult children, if she worried about what school-age kids are going through today. She sighed, seemingly from the weight of it all, and paused. You know, I am really concerned about how kids are doing.
1: I think for me, what what I continue to try to focus on is just really providing that support. And as long as the district is responding and that we are still, you know, basically can still provide the support we need to be providing, I guess that gives me hope, and I'm re- I'm just grateful for that. Um, but I am concerned, and I, it makes me wonder, you know, have we seen the worst of it? Um, you know, I just, every day is kind of like, what's what's going to happen today?
0: Yeah. What's next for these kids? For my kids? I fear for the long term. Am I overreacting? Will all this terrible trauma serve to steal them against adulthood's unavoidable heartbreaks and challenges? Maybe. But when I think about their futures, I worry. I guess every parent since forever has worried, but this COVID worry feels unique in our modern history. World War II must have put parents in a similarly dark place. But COVID has already doubled that awful war's US death toll. Before it's done, it might just triple or quadruple it. In that light, it doesn't seem indulgent to worry, to mourn for those lost experiences and the effect all that missing data will have on this COVID generation's relationships, careers, and eventually, on their own kids. To quote one of my three daughters' favorite authors, John Green, from his 2012 YA hit, The Fault in Our Stars, Don't worry. Worry is useless. I worried anyway. This has been Mick Rhodes for the Claremont Courier Podcast, First Take. Thanks for listening. First Take's theme music was written by Mick Rhodes and Wyman Reese and performed by Mick Rhodes and the Hard Eight.